Daily Buzz. I'm Salt Lake Tribune reporter Caitlin Bancroft. Recently, I've been looking into a potential ballot proposal that would end mail-in voting in favor of casting paper ballots at individual polling places. Leaders of the Secure Vote Utah Ballot Initiative say in-person voting is much safer than the mail-in ballot system, while county clerks estimate that this change would triple the cost of elections from about $3 million to $9 million and require 10 times as many polling locations. This week, I spoke with two county clerks who busted some common myths about mail-in voting. Fact check number one, dead people can't vote. Brian McKenzie, a deputy clerk in Davis County, said the state's voter registration system is regularly updated by the Department of Vital Records and Statistics and by the Department of Public Safety. On the off chance that they receive a ballot that was issued to a deceased person, their handwriting experts will catch the false signature. Fact check number two, no one can vote more than once. McKenzie said a unique barcode is assigned to each envelope, so even if someone photocopied their ballot, their vote wouldn't be counted more than once. Fact check number three, vote counting machines can't be hacked by outside sources. McKenzie said their machines are never connected to an outside network. Fact check number four, rogue clerks aren't out to steal elections. Weber County Clerk Ricky Hatch said clerks care about doing things right and that he has yet to meet a candidate he'd go to jail for, including himself. Sage Miller and Alistair Lee Bitsoy have been reporting on Westwater, a small eastern Utah community that has been promised electricity and water for 40 years. Sage talks to Grant Burningham about why this push for utilities in the small town could be different. So with us to talk about Westwater is Sage Miller. Sage, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for having me and for talking about Westwater. So introduce us to this town of Westwater. Yeah. So Westwater is a teeny town in southeastern Utah. It's 100% Utah land, but was bought by the Navajo Nation in 1986. And since then, the community of Westwater, uh, which is very small, about 29 households, 50 to 60 people in that area, don't have access to basic infrastructure. So they have to go to nearby Blanding to get running water. Uh, they have they rely on solar panels to generate any form of electricity in their home because they don't have power lines. They don't have access to broadband internet. So a lot of them have to go to Blanding or a public library uh, or use resources from around the community in order to gain that infrastructure in their household. It's kind of hard to imagine what it would be like not to have services in your house. Like what is day-to-day life? Like how do you cook? How do you drink water? The person that I talked to who lives in Westwater, her name is Renee Hutchins Jean, and she was born and raised in Westwater, and she's lived her entire life without this infrastructure. And now her kids are also doing that as well. And so what she tells me is that every morning she wakes up and the first thing she does is check her water tank levels that she has, which is about a 300 gallon tank that she fills weekly, multiple times a week and has to go by to nearby Blanding in order to do it. She has a generator that she has to flip on. Um, If her kids need more power, then the solar panel will generate. If weather is icky, if it's not sunny and bright, uh, her solar panel doesn't do the job for her. So she has to flip on a generator and pay for all of those gas costs herself, but she can't just turn on her oven. She can't just go into the bathroom and flick on a switch. She can't run a crock pot. And she does a really great job kind of explaining what basic infrastructure in her household would look like. And I'll play a little clip of that right now. As long as I have a roof over my head, I feel better, but it'll be more better if I could just walk into my house and just, you know, everything's there. I could just plug in my TV or turn on my light. You know, I can plug in my slow cooker or something and let it go for six, eight hours to cook. And we have to be very, very, very conservative on our power. 
So Sage, what's the holdup to getting these people services? There is just an ongoing debate about whose responsibility it is to fund the infrastructure project within Westwater. Deidre Henderson says it's time for the state of Utah to start recognizing that the residents of Westwater are Utah citizens. Therefore, they need to step up to the plate and start doing more to provide them with the basic infrastructure that the majority of residents along the Wasatch Front already believe, like already have access to. The legislature says it's a, it's a pretty big bill to foot. The estimated cost to install all this basic infrastructure in Westwater that, mind you, they've been asking for for over 40 years, it's about $10 million. And the legislature has this utilitarian approach, and it may not be economical to stretch that much money for just a small population of 60 people. And they say because it's privately owned by the Navajo Nation, they should step up to the plate and fork over some money as well. And so there's just been this back and forth about whose responsibility is it to install this infrastructure? Is it the state of Utah or is it the Navajo Nation? So with Lieutenant Governor Henderson on board, is there signs that it's actually going to happen this time around for the town of Westwater? Yeah, see, that's a really great question. And when I was talking to Renee Hutchins about it, she's she's genuinely just not holding her breath. Um, she does a really great job of explaining about how for many years they've been told they were going to get this basic infrastructure and it's just never pulled through. And I'll let her tell you that. I'm like kind of excited for myself and the community is too as well, but we've been promised so many things for so many years so there's like no outcome on how i should feel because so many people promised us so many things from the beginning and then we never seen it what would it do for this community to finally get running water electricity sewer Renee Hutchins says there's not a single person in Westwater who is against this infrastructure coming into their community. The Westwater community is hoping and praying that that could happen. And there's a possibility that it actually could happen this time with federal pandemic aid that has been allocated to both Utah and the Navajo Nation. However, there's still discussions if any of that funding is actually going to be approved. It's up to the Utah legislature to specifically approve it for the Westwater Project, and the Navajo Nation is in the exact same position. All right, Sage Miller, thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you. Next, Dayton Olander, who has been covering the Clean Air Caucus this week, reports in from the Utah Capitol building. One of the most interesting bills pitched at the Clean Air Caucus presser was HB 164, which is sponsored by Representative Joel Briscoe, and it basically proposes that all Utah Transit Authority services be provided to passengers for free and forever. The purpose of the bill is to increase ridership on public transport and thereby reduce air pollution in Utah. And that all sounds great, right? Free transportation for everybody and less air pollution as well. But the catch is that UTA is out an estimated 40 to $50 million annually if the bill passes. And it doesn't really seem like there's a plan in place to recover that money. The governor's budget this year doesn't allocate money for the bill. And so at least the question of where will the funds come from? Regardless, we'll see where the bill goes. It's certainly an exciting piece of legislation, and it is set to be discussed in the House Revenue and Taxation Committee later in the session. Utah health officials reported 3,482 new COVID-19 cases Thursday, and that 787 people are hospitalized. And some good news for Utahns with a sweet tooth. Although the Girl Scouts officials have reported that supply chain disruptions have caused a shortage of Adventure Pools cookies, those shortages, so far, have not made it to the Beehive State. And Utah favorites like Thin Mints, Samosas, and Tagalongs have also so far survived any supply issues. Thanks to the Tribune's Joelle Cardenas for editing The Daily Buzz. And a big shout out to Salt Lake City's own The Pelicans for our music. Have a great weekend and be sure to tune back in on Monday. Monday.